It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee shops, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa. Everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko. I'll be joined by my co-host, James Repeat, in segments two and three of the show as he's still busy covering the post-game pressers, but in the interest of getting this podcast to you as soon as possible... I'm recording the beginning of it just by myself, and I'll tell you my big takeaways from what ended up being a 23-23 to tie in Philadelphia. And just like Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow's first career non-loss result is a tie. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, of course, tied their first game last year, and Joe Burrow does it this time around. All that said, I'm going to get into my big takeaways first, and then I'll be joined by James to hit on the rest of what he thought and what the coaches and players had to say after the game. The Bengals couldn't get the running game going again, which is no surprise, although on the first drive of the game, they did have some decent room for Joe Mixon to run, but it looked like a few things that they thought would work throughout the course of the game didn't work in the running game. They ran that little pitch play a few times, and A couple times it found success, but more often than not, the Bengals let defenders into the backfield and Joe Mixon was forced to make guys miss to even get back to the line of scrimmage. So with the run game not working, as they have all year, they turned to Joe Burrow, who in an overtime extended game this time, again, dropped back more to pass than I'm sure this offensive coaching staff would like to see. He had 44 pass attempts. He took eight sacks in the game. Eight sacks. 56 yards lost on sacks, and these weren't all the offensive line's fault. They ran some long-developing max-protect play-action plays where Joe Burrow didn't like what he saw, didn't pull the trigger. They had a couple plays where Joe Burrow just held the ball a little bit too long, should have gotten rid of it. But even in those cases, he's probably getting hit. By the way, he did get hit viciously early in the game, led to a roughing the passer call. He missed one play, in fact, and came right back in on the next play, but that was a scary moment. And it was a long developing play. Again, a bit of a play action play. He evaded one defender, got rid of the ball, got popped by another defender. And you just wonder if the offensive line at some point will do anything. There were actually a few drives in this game when I thought Joe Burrow did have time. And they passed protected well. And Joe Burrow showed what he could do when given time. He ends up completing 31 of his 44 passes. So 
prolifically accurate as you expect him to be. But this week, like many weeks prior, the deep ball not there. The difference, however, that the intermediate part of the field was fantastic for Burrow. So the yards per attempt were up to 7.1. T. Higgins had his first touchdown catch and a second touchdown catch as he was the lone Bengal to get into the end zone on the day. Both really nice schemed open plays in the red zone where the Bengals used play action and leak Higgins out of the backfield on one occasion and on the other run him across the field. And when Joe Burrow can see your nameplate, you might as well not be there. And he just put some perfect passes on his receiver's hands in this game. He also had one of his better improvisational plays in Cincinnati, but it unfortunately didn't count and again involved T. Higgins. He evaded a sack from Fletcher Wilcox in the pocket, rolled right, evades another sack with a spin move near the sideline, throws right sideline for T. Higgins, but unfortunately... Higgins had been pushed out of bounds and was ruled an ineligible receiver after Philadelphia challenged the play. So Joe Burrow, I think, another fantastic game. Shows you everything that you need to see to know he's the future, to know he's the truth. The offensive line, everything we expected they would be, which is to say they are bad. They they were bad again today. They got beat by Fletcher Cox. They got beat by Brandon Graham. They got beat by Josh Sweat. And Joe Burrow took way too many hits again. He didn't even run the ball in this game, so all of these hits that he took, which were eight sacks plus a whole bunch of more QB hits, ESPN puts it at 18. 18 QB hits. That's nuts. By comparison, by the way, the Bengals had three sacks and five QB hits, and they missed some sacks on Carson Wentz that could have changed the game a little bit. So the offensive line, obviously, still under fire, and rightfully so. This Bengals coaching staff stood by them in the offseason, and they have not been rewarded for their loyalty and their trust, and it's hard to imagine that becoming the case. They even made a substitution at halftime with Billy Price playing the second half at right guard after they weren't happy with Fred Johnson in the first half, but then Billy Price had a terrible holding penalty in overtime and got beaten cleanly shortened thereafter by Fletcher Cox for a quick sack that ended the Bengals' chances to win the game. Really? And, and so you have to think about the coaching staff at this point on both sides of the ball. I think there are significant questions adding up after a 2-16-1 start to Zach Taylor's tenure in Cincinnati. Yeah, some of it's on the players for sure. Some of it's on execution. But a lot of it at this point, you have to point the finger to an inexperienced and really not very well-acclaimed coaching staff. A couple other players to shout out, Tyler Boyd, 10 catches on 13 targets for 125 yards, a fantastic game for him. T. Higgins had 9 targets, A.J. Green only 6 targets in this game. The long and short of it though, getting out of the nitty gritty for a second, is that the Bengals missed opportunities in this game. They had 2 takeaways to the Eagles 0, they did not capitalize on those takeaways as well as they needed to, and that's part of the difference in the game. Another part of the difference in the game is settling for a field goal in the red zone when a touchdown would have ended the game in regulation. Then, of course, there's the overtime period when the dropback passing game couldn't get anything going, just like last year, because the offensive line is truly that bad when the defense knows what's coming. We'll see if it gets any better when the Bengals take on Jacksonville next week in Cincinnati in front of fans in Paul Brown Stadium, so at least there's something to look forward to there. And we'll just hope that some of these units bounce back, and Joe Burrow continues to put this team on his shoulders. So coming up next, I'll take a step back with James a little bit. We'll talk about some of the interesting plays in the game. We'll talk about some of the trends, and maybe we'll have to get a little bit philosophical with this coaching staff. I think that point is coming soon. James will be with me coming up next.
It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, which I know I do sometimes, everyone needs to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering Locked On Bengals listeners 25% off your next order when you use promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONNFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. James Rapine now joins the podcast, and James, I've I've talked about some of my frustrations with the coaching staff, with you know, the the offensive line certainly. Let's let's just get you. I want to get your raw take here to to start your presence on this episode of Lockdown Bengals. It was a rough rough start for you to the day with John Ross announced inactive, which apparently Tyler Boyd knew was coming. That this was a plan from apparently the start of the week or, or earlier in the week, but. What, what's your what's your initial takeaways? Your raw reaction right now? Yeah, we'll leave we'll leave Ross alone now. There's plenty of time to talk about that. Let's talk about this tie first. I'm off, sorry. I'm sorry that I brought it up. Like no, that. it's okay. Oh. I just this is a, they don't want to hear about that right now. You guys want to hear about the tie? What what the hell is it with the Bengals and ties? It in doesn't Philly. matter the coach or the quarterback. Yeah, and now Philly. Oh my God! Look, I think that this is actually on the offense, and I think it's on Zach Taylor. And th- there's a theme here. Because he's 0-10-1 in one-possession games. And I know a lot of those are backdoors, you know, where like last week and week two against Cleveland where it was really not a one-possession game, but they scored at the end. But I can't trust them anymore. And there were so many times, especially in the first half, when I felt like the game was just there. And they were going through the motions, first four possessions, punt, 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 punt. Uh, I think it was uh, 17 plays, 36 net yards. That was bad. For the Bengals. Look, those are Zach Taylor's plays. Th- those are the ones, right? The, the game scripted plays that should go well. Something in that mix has to work. And it worked against Cleveland. Didn't work against the Chargers, but that was weird because the offensive line, and I'll get to that in a second. But second and 10 runs, not going for it on fourth and two. Look, if you're at midfield and it's fourth and two, I want you to go for it. I, I don't even care about the analytics. I didn't check any percentages of nothing. I don't care. Go for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I wished he would have there. I think it was on their second possession. 
Um, I, I hated some of the red zone stuff in the fourth quarter. They obviously had to settle for field goals there. That's when they lost the game. That was it. I was like, man, it's still going to be a one-possession game. It feels like they should be up by three scores right now, and they're going to be up seven. And Carson Wentz, who is extremely talented, and I get it, he has the ability to do what he did and drives him downfield. And uh, it, it, it to me, this was on the offense. The, the offense could have done it. I, I hated the – I think it was a – they ran it on second down, Jake. And I might be wrong on this. I guess I could check. But they ran it on second down, and then third down they threw a jump ball to Tate that has a very low percentage of getting it right, you know, of, of it him actually coming down with it. And then they had to kick a field goal. And I'm like, it was like second and five or something or third and five. And I'm just like, oh, I, I, I don't know. I hated some of the play calling. Didn't like it. You didn't get the big plays. The geo play was obviously huge. You got to score a touchdown there because Philly gifted you the game. That was it. 42 yards. Uh, Billy Price actually learned how to block there. By the way, that experiment failed in one half. And it, 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 it was that was it. And they didn't punch it in. And let me go to that drive, and, and we'll do it on the fly here, uh, Jake. So if you want to react to anything I said here as I pull this up, because that's where the that was when the game was decided right there, because you gave the ball back to Philly with the chance to tie. Absolutely, there, there were a few inflection points in the game. I think that they scored. That they were they were too aggressive with stopping the clock before the half, gave Philly too much time. Then they blow a coverage on a disguise cover to Tampa two that 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 leads to the the Philly touchdown right before the half and then Philly gets 10 points on two straight possessions and ends up with one more possession in regulation because of that and certainly not capitalizing on the Wentz turnovers was a huge issue in this game because they had really good field position a few times and then did nothing I did want to comment you, you talked about the first few drives of the game Here, here's my notes on the first few drives of the game the first drive I have Jonah Williams was cleanly beaten for a sack. Derails the drive. Second mm-hmm. drive, uh, you know, Tyler Boyd falls down. And and then second and long, they run. Second and 10, they run it. And this is a theme of, of NFL coaches in general, but also Zach Taylor. And then uh, they, they throw a throw to the six. And Joe Burrow gets hit as he's throwing. Third drive, they go run, run, false start, pass, punt. And, and, and. <laughs> Fourth drive uh, is when Joe Burrow got blown up. He had to go out of the game, I think. Was that the drive? I think it was. And then he comes back in, and this is the drive that ended when Drew Sample ends up one-on-one with Derek Barnett, who, of mm-hmm. course, gets the sack. Of course sure. gets the sack. Yeah. It, it, how, first off, where is that design? Like, how is that the matchup that you end with? Um, it, there was a lot of times where I was scratching my head. And one of those times, it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was that second possession, fourth and two. Just go for it. And in, in, in the second down runs are ridiculous. Right. Look, this offensive line stinks. They stink as a group. And I'm not saying each individual player stinks, but as a group, they stink. And they can't open up run, run running lanes at all. I'm tired of seeing Joe Mixon cut as soon as he gets the ball or a, a foot after getting the ball. So you know what I'm not going to do? Run it on second and ten, so it's third and eleven, or at best third and eight. Yeah, that, because that, that's exactly how you're going to get your your rookie quarterback just crushed, and it, it's crazy. So that drive I was talking about, their final possession of uh, of regulation, where they they go down and they kick that field goal. So the it's forty two yards. You're gifted a forty two yarder because the Eagles are awful. And they let you. They let Giovanni Bernard yep. run straight up the middle for forty-two yards, right? Which, 
which, by the way, came after that magical Joe Burrow play that I talked about early in the show before you mm-hmm. joined, where he he evades Fletcher Cox, rolls right, does a spin move by the sideline, finds T. Higgins, ends up called back because T. Higgins stepped out of bounds. But I just wanted to, to bring that play back up because that, that also happened on this drive. It did, yeah. And he, God, that was that was amazing. It was, so it was amazing. Good. I know it didn't count, but it was amazing. So good. It was, it was, it was like his Georgia play a little bit. A little bit. To, to Justin Jefferson, just a little bit. Not as not as big of a play, but still a big play. Anyways, you get gifted a 42-yarder after that penalty, yeah. right? So that, that drive should have stalled, and it didn't. And the very next play, Joe Mixon off the right end, minus one yards. And Joe Burrow rescues you because it's second and 11. That's exactly what you don't want. And he finds T. Higgins for 11 yards. R- unnecessary roughness. I don't know if it was or not, but I like the call. It gets him down to the four-yard line. Then what happens? Well, the offensive line fails. Billy Price, false start. So now you're backed up to the nine, first and goal. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow hits Ethan Carter for a one-yard gain, which, fine, that happens. Then he sacked seven yards back to the 15-yard line. And then that's it. It's third and goal from the 15-yard line. Done. So th- those are the plays. Like, there is... And it's not just Zach Taylor. Obviously, the offensive line's awful. I've said it like seven times already, I feel like, in this podcast. They were awful, just dreadful. But there's got to be a way. That's got to be a touchdown. And so whether it's first and goal at the nine, and and you're Taylor, and and you got to take a shot, then I I would rather you take a shot than, you know, expect Seathan Carter to get you a couple yards. And and it's just – it's so frustrating because that was it. And as I was writing my – you know, game recap, quick, you know, instant reaction stuff, which I had to change about 12 times in this game. And I have about <laughs> six different versions, including a couple that have Jake Elliott kicking the game winner, which is the version I thought I was going to use. Yeah. Um, it, it, it shouldn't have come down to that. In, in the moment that it did, in the moment they settled for a field goal, I was like, okay, start to write that Carson Wentz is going to drive down the field. And I know there were some questionable PIs and stuff like that. Or I don't even know if questionable, stupid PIs by the Bengals uh, for against those receivers, you should be fine to run with them. Um, it, that cost them on that final drive uh, before overtime. But uh, yeah, just it's dreadful and it's frustrating and fans should be pissed off today. And I know the Bengals are pissed off and angry and you should be uh, it, because Joe Burrow, whether it's eight sacks or nine sacks, my count was nine. It's way too damn many. It was way too many hits. He got hit five times on his first 10 dropbacks hit. Like that's crazy. How does that even happen? So it's it's ridiculous. They they need to. I don't know what they need to do. I just wish they would have uh, listened to me with Trent Williams because I, I was wrong on some of my offseason stuff. But you know they do not have the the lineman capable of keeping Joe Burrow upright. And and it's different guys. It, they they all failed at different points in this game. Maybe Trey Hopkins had a clean day in pass protection. Maybe if if I'm as I'm trying to think back through the game. Uh, let, let's do some quick some quick math here. So 26 hits, according to ESPN, 27 if they missed a sack. It's 18 hits plus plus eight or nine sacks. Oh. And he had he had 54 dropbacks, 50, 52 dropbacks. That's that's he's he was hit on half of his dropbacks. That is just inexcusable. Just absolutely inexcusable. The other thing that I want to talk about here, you talked about their last field goal drive of the game. The drive before that, they settled for a field goal too. 
And that's right after Carson Wentz through the interception. They get a quick first down to A.J. Green on one of his few contributions in the game as, as they just generally avoided Darius Slay. They got a good run from Joe Mixon that I think he had to bounce outside, goes for nine yards. And then they find Auden Tate for 10 yards. They get first and 10 from the Philadelphia 13. And this is another play calling sequence that I really didn't like, James. They go fade to Auden Tate. They go run for no gain. They go fade to Auden Tate. You mm-hmm. run two two low percentage fades and a, and a run in the middle of that, and your second down runs the entire game. We'll have to go back and count. For tomorrow's episode, we'll have to go back and look at how many times they ran on second down. Or maybe in the third segment. The, the, it just never worked, and you just put yourself in these really low percentage situations. I, I do want to talk a little bit about the the period going into the half and coming out of the half when the Bengals offensive line actually looked competent for two drives and Joe Burrow was absolutely cooking. So let's get into a couple of positive takeaways that, that I know that they don't mean anything. There's no moral victories at this point, but at least we can say some nice things about Joe Burrow. And, and then let's take another look and, and, and flip over to the defense where just like I said all week, James, I feel like I said this, Carson Wentz, awful, absolutely awful. Jason Peters, wash, uh, point for you on that one when I said Jason Peters rather than Trent Williams. The Bengals had a field day on the right side of that line. So let's get into some of those points coming up next. Today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you're the kind of person who's going to the gym to work off all of your frustration with the Bengals after tying a game again for the second time in five tries with the Eagles, Maybe you should reach for one of those built Bars first, and maybe it's a Caramel Brownie. Maybe it's a Cherry Barcia. Maybe it's one of the classic favors. Maybe maybe you're a German chocolate person or a peanut butter person. I know I'm a peanut butter person. James, why are the built Bars so good before you go to the gym? For a ton of reasons. One, they're healthy. So they're perfect for your macros. You're going to get protein packed it's going to be the perfect pre-workout snack if you want to use it that way or midday snack or however you want to consume these built bars and and that's not the only thing they taste great they taste like they're unhealthy you know how all the unhealthy stuff tastes great yeah that's how they taste and like you said 18 different flavors so go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on you're going to get ten dollars off your order again use promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway. 
all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Like Jake said, we're gonna end things on a positive note. Well, and it is what? Well, you know, it'll be mostly positive. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're, we're gonna start I, here, there. Here's what I'm positive about, Jake. Joe Burrow okay. played well. Yeah. Positive on that. And, you know, how many quarterbacks can get sacked eight times? See, and now I'm looking here and it says eight. So maybe it is eight. But sacked eight times, hang in there, throw a couple touchdowns. And let's dive into a specific area. Uh, The end of the second quarter, when they go down, they score a touchdown. And then the start of the third quarter, that was the sweet spot. I think that's the best Joe Burrow's played in the pros. Went 13 of 13. For a buck twenty-four over that span and two touchdowns, that he was rolling, and, and, and I don't know what it was. Like I don't know if it was just tempo, and if so, then I need more tempo, Zach Taylor. Uh, I don't know if Zach figured out how to call plays for a couple drives, or if it was just simply Burrow just doing the damn thing. You know, I want to go back and watch that sequence, but he was certainly lighting it up, and that's that's the big takeaway for me from this game from a. I guess huge, you know, long-term standpoint is the fact that he one looked that good, has that rapport with Tyler Boyd, which on one drive he hit Tyler Boyd four for four for sixty yards uh, in that third quarter, and, and he found T. Higgins twice in the end zone. So I think there are some some building blocks there, uh, and, and those are some of the positives for sure. What I think happened there is that he had some time, for whatever reason, for these two drives in the game, the the Philly pass rush disappeared. And, and I, I, I don't know what exactly happened. I would have to, again, I'd have to go back and look. But for whatever reason, Joe Burrow had time, and then he was just chewing up the intermediate part of the field, both, both in the last drive of the, the first half, when they go eight plays, 75 yards in a minute and 18 seconds, which ends up leaving too much time on the clock. But, but you know, you can't blame the offense for that. The defense needs to hold Philly to a uh, to a field goal once you get him into third and eight from the 29 with 16 seconds left. And, and and that touchdown ends up mattering a lot, right? If that's only three points instead, well, the Bengals win the game. Then they come back in the second half, 10 plays, 76 yards, six minutes and 17 seconds, and a touchdown. And uh, that included a Joe Mixon run on second and three that went for one yard. It included a second and 18 that uh, became a second and 13 after a neutral zone infraction that the Bengals converted. And it, it ends again in, in that touchdown to Tyler Boyd. So the the takeaway there for me is that, and when I was tweeting, because I didn't do my live commentary today, I was just thinking, man, Joe Burrow is so good for a rookie. When he has time, he is going to find the guy for the right throw. And we got a small glimpse of that today on these two drives. The offensive line generally today atrocious when it counted in overtime, when the, when the Eagles knew it was drop back passing, absolutely awful. They, they had no shot. Didn't matter who it was, somebody was losing. Although I would say Jonah Williams settled in after that first drive of the game mostly pretty well. The, the takeaway, I think, is, is how good Burrow looked when he had protection. And that's the maddening part of this, right? That, that's the maddening part for every Bengals fan right now is the fact that you're saying, well, if you would have protected him, if you can protect him, if you could keep him upright, 
then he's going to carve up defenses and he's going to give you not only a chance, he's going to win. And that's, that, that's the reality of it. I mean, there's just so many damn times where uh, a drive is getting derailed because there's pressure on him, right? In overtime, their, their second drive, he's sacked uh, on the very first play. And, and that's that's it. It just sets you back. And then Billy Price gets called for holding the very next play. And, and, and you're just playing behind the chains. And it's really hard to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Like the Bengals, we don't know about A.J. Green right now if he's still a top flight receiver, but he's still good. Right. And T Higgins is promising. And Tyler Boyd is great at what he does. You have weapons. And right now, this offensive line, and this is the fifth season now, 16, 17, 18, 19, 2020, fifth season where the offensive line has been the worst position group on the damn team. And it might be worse this year and more maddening because it feels like they could do something. It feels like that that with Joe Burrow in some of his magic, if you give him time, I mean, if they had an average offensive line right now, Jake, they're at least two and one. They might have lost to Cleveland, but they would have beat the Chargers and they would have won today. So instead of oh two and one, they're two and one. And that includes Zach Taylor's questionable play calling. And and so there's the maddening thing. I know this is supposed to be a positive segment. And the, the positive thing is Joe Burrow is that dude. T. Higgins looks really good. And you know, obviously Tyler Boyd's a stud. So like you you have the pieces. But there's just there's so many reasons to be down on them that have nothing to do with Joe Burrow, and it, it stinks because they he he certainly should have gotten his uh, his first win of the season week one, and, and since it didn't happen two weeks later uh, on this day, uh, instead of a tie, he should have gotten a win today. And and, and what we're gonna get as a result of this is can we get jo- Joe Burrow out of Cincinnati? It's already started, so now we have to you deal saw with that? that. I didn't see that. You saw that somewhere. Oh yeah. Can we send them? Can we, you know, can we, can you sue an NFL team for, for negligent, you know, whatever. Can we, can we get them out of Cincinnati? Can we get them back to LSU? Oh yeah. That's out there. Uh, try not to pay attention to it because Joe Burrow is that guy. Zach Taylor, Lou Anarumo, Duke Tobin, Jim Turner, Brian Callahan, maybe not that guy. There might be some salvageable, salvageable pieces on this coaching staff. I think they'll get the duration of the season to figure it out, although I think they should fire Jim Turner today. Uh, but I just don't think that that's in their nature. So every week, I think, through three weeks of the season, we've come away saying, Joe Burrow's a guy. The offensive line is bad. And, and this week, the run defense, also not so good. Again, Miles Sanders goes 18 carries, 95 yards, 5.3 yards per carry. Carson Wentz got loose a couple times, including that big touchdown on which at least two Bengals players were held. Uh, by the way, at the end of regulation and the uh, general defense on the day against a team that really didn't have wide receivers. They lost Dallas Goddard. They lost Deshaun Jackson early in the game to injuries. They had Greg Ward and Zach Ertz and, and some dudes. And, you know, Car- Carson Wentz threw a couple picks. He took three sacks, but the Bengals, again, you know, had some some issues finishing some plays in the backfield, had issues with quarterback contain. And just, you know, you only give up 23 points. You should win the game probably. But just didn't quite do enough. I will say, though, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Logan Wilson, both had really nice flashes in this game. Logan Wilson had a nice pick. Akeem Davis-Gaither with a great play on a screen, great play on the wheel route to Miles Sanders later in the game. So a few positives there. Yeah, certainly some positives. One thing that I did think was quite interesting 
Carlos Dunlap referred to the game plan. And he said the game plan put us in a position as defensive linemen to succeed. And I thought that that's that's interesting because there's a lot of people looking at Louie Anarumo right now. And to me, it was very clear that he did disagreed with the game plan last week, whatever it was against the Browns. Um, and he didn't come out and say it that way, but it was certainly implied. Mm-hmm. I, but I, I was still underwhelmed, actually, by the pass rush because Carl Lawson let Wentz get away once. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dunlap did, or, or no, it was Hubbard. Hubbard. Hubbard did for sure. Yeah, and, and like you got him, you got to tackle him. You got to bring him down. That that has to happen. Like when you're when you're them, those are the plays you have to make because you are gonna give up. Uh, you, you know, plays downfield. You are gonna get gashed in the run game. Like that's just the reality of it right now without Geno Atkins. Uh, and it might be the reality of it with Geno Atkins. So I, I was. Uh, I was annoyed there, and that led to points, by the way. Well, you know, we focused on the, the offense. That led to points. The Eagles mm-hmm. got a field goal um, in the first half because of that. So uh, I, I do think they took a step in the right direction, and I agree with you completely on Logan Wilson. He flashed multiple times today. Like, I, I saw him multiple times. I was like, oh, yeah, good job, Logan. And it wasn't just the interception. Yep. And then Akeem Davis-Gaither in coverage. Uh, he got beat the one time. Yep. But then he kept up with them the, the second time, and that, that's good. It's good to see the growth there. Um, and, and then I will say I don't want to go come down hard on, on Dunlap because I actually noticed him in this game. It was the first time all yeah. year I noticed him, and, and I thought he was playing with, with more energy. And maybe it is as simple as he wasn't buying into the game. Like, you know, these guys weren't buying into the game plan because they knew it didn't favor them. I, I don't want to say that. I'm not making excuses, but, like, that's an issue, right? So uh, whatever they did – you hope they could continue it and, and, and then some because uh, Gardner Minshew, I know he's coming off of a bad game, but next week Gardner Minshew, he's going to want to air it out and put up a bunch of points. The Bengals have to win next week at home in front of fans against a bad team. These close calls, you're, people are going to say, oh, they've lost three games by a combined eight points. And I'm just going to say go win a damn game. Go win a game. You're 2-16-1. You're you have a quarterback. The excuses are gone. The excuses are gone. That's my that's my concluding thought here for week three. James, one concluding thought, then let's get out of here. T. Higgins looked good, man. T. Higgins looked good. And I think that that's a building block. I wrote earlier this week, you know, because T. Higgins was expected to start regardless of who was inactive. And I was like, this could kind of be if they're, you know, going to go downfield and push the ball downfield. Joe Burrow and T Higgins, it could be kind of like Andy Dalton and AJ Green's breakout back in 2011, week two against Denver, when they connected for 100 plus yards and a touchdown, 10 receptions. And uh, it wasn't quite that, but it was still a really nice showing for the second rounder. Yeah, T Higgins is going to be a good NFL player. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow when we've had some time to get away from the immediacy of this disastrous tie. Really, it's a, I mean, the ties just feel terrible. We will be back tomorrow, Bengals fans. Until then, who day, and have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.